One of the major concepts in the Bible is taking firm hold of certain things. God wants you to possess the right things and to be possessed by the right things. This message is the first in the series, Take Hold of True Greatness. The message is entitled, Don't Settle for the Superficial. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. We're going to start a new series of messages this morning. We're going to talk over the next several weeks about taking hold and the importance of taking hold of certain important things in your life journey. And in the Bible, you find out that this phrase of taking hold is a very important concept. In fact, if you go back into the Old Testament, you'll see that one of the things that God called His people to do was to actually take hold or take possession of things, the promises of God. And one of those promises was to take possession of the land, the promised land. Are you familiar with the term promised land, right? God called His people to take the promised land. And so much of their journey involved the whole process of learning the promises of God and taking the promised land. When you come to the New Testament, you begin to realize that it's not about physical land in terms of our spiritual inheritance, but it's really about the promises of God as it relates to Jesus Christ working in our lives, that God wants you to take hold of certain spiritual principles, certain spiritual life concepts and life applications that make the difference in how you live every day. Take Taking hold, getting them in your possession. So I want you to start this morning by saying with me the phrase, take hold. Say it together. Take hold. The God's plan for you in your life is to take hold of certain things. And I want to start uh, this weekend sort of foundationally for this series that we'll be involved in together over the next several weeks. I'm not sure exactly how long that we will go in this series, but we'll go as long as we need to go, all right? Is that okay with everybody? And so ever how long we need to go is what we're going to go. So I can't really put an uh, end, end point on this because there are a lot of things I want to talk about in terms of taking hold of these truths and principles. But we have to start somewhere, just like any race has a starting point. This whole dimension of learning what God wants us to take hold of has a starting point as well. And really, when we start talking about or we begin this point of taking hold of our walk with God, it all starts not with taking hold of a thing, but taking hold of a relationship, or more importantly, taking hold of a person, and that is Jesus Christ, and allowing Jesus Christ to take hold of us. So today I want to talk to you for a few moments about taking hold of Jesus and letting Jesus take hold of you. Because your life destiny is determined by how much you're willing to take hold of Jesus and how much of your life you're willing to allow Jesus to take hold of. So take hold is very important. Jesus gave us a parable in Matthew chapter 13 that really illustrates this for us. I'm going to ask you to uh, take a look at this with me. We'll be reading at Matthew 13 verses 44 through 46. And I want you to listen as I read this from the International Version. You may want to highlight a few uh, verses or a few, few sections of this as we go through. The kingdom of heaven, let me stop there for a moment. That's talking about the kingdom of God or the thing that Jesus came to do in the earth, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus coming as the ruler of our lives. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Here are two parables that really teach the same truth. Jesus starts by saying, let me tell you a story. That's really what a parable is. Let me tell you a story about a man who was in a field one day. It wasn't his own field. It was somebody else's field. And he's, he's walking through this field, and he discovers something. He discovers a hidden treasure there. Just imagine that 
for a moment. You're walking through your neighbor's backyard, and you discover something interesting there, and you dig a little bit in the backyard, and you discover like this treasure chest of gold and jewels and uh, very rare things, and there it is right there for you, and you have found it, and your neighbor knows nothing about it. And so you found this treasure chest, and the Bible says that when he found the treasure chest, I, I like the integrity of the Word of God because it says he didn't take the treasure chest. He went away and bought the field so he could have the treasure. Isn't that good to know he owned the land before he took the treasure? And so he buys the land, and he takes now the treasure, and what is symbolized here is, or the point that is made by this particular parable, is that the man had to sell everything he had to get the field where the treasure existed. So there was this massive investment. This was a sense of saying, I want to take hold of that treasure so badly that it's worth everything that I have to get it. I'm going to not only go after the treasure, I want the field in which the treasure is found. Then Jesus said, now let me give you a second story, a second parable. The second parable was about a merchant, a merchant who was going out and trafficking in, uh, trying to find uh, rare pearls and great pearls of great value. And he discovered one pearl that was the best pearl he had ever seen, the best pearl that would exist on the jewelry market. And he made a decision as well, this merchant did, I'm going to sell everything I have, all of my other investments, all of my other uh, assets are worth nothing compared to this one precious pearl. I'm going to do everything possible to obtain this, and he sold all to get it. And there's a real lesson in both of these parables for both of us, and that lesson in a very, I think, succinct way is given to you on your notes. I'm going to ask you to read it together with me aloud and loudly, and all the folks in Frederick as well, if you'll read with me here also. Let's read together. It starts with the phrase, there are things. Read with me. There are things that are so valuable that it's worth whatever price you have to pay to get them. Read it again. There are things that are so valuable that it's worth whatever price you have to pay to get them. How valuable was the treasure in the field? It was so valuable to that man that it was worth whatever price he had to pay to have it. How valuable was that pearl to the merchant? That pearl was so valuable that he was willing to sell everything to possess it. Now, here is the problem. The problem with most of us is that we are so enamored with things that are less valuable than what is most valuable that we're not willing to let go of the less valuable to have the most valuable. I'll say it this way. We are enamored with, we are overwhelmed with, we are in love with, we are infatuated with so often, especially in our culture, and with things that we could call or refer to as the superficial of life, things that really have no real substance to them. How much time and energy and money and thought and worry is put into things that really at the end of life don't matter at all. In fact, I've had the opportunity over the years to be with people who are at the last stages of their life, and they're not worried about the car they drove or the clothes they wore or the house they lived in. They're concerned at that point about how they live their life. Where were they in their relationship with God, and where were they in their relationships with other people? And so oftentimes we're spending a lot of our time, a lot of our energy, a lot of our focus on things that really don't matter. And what I want to encourage you to do today is to make a decision 
that you are not going to settle in your life for the superficial. That what you want in your life is much more than the superficial. What you want in your life is the substantial. That you and I are looking for something that really at the end of life matters. And not only at the end of life, but throughout our life really matters. And I will tell you that the world can be divided into two broad spiritual categories. Those that are living their lives in a spiritually shallow way, in a spiritually superficial way. And those that are really looking for something of substance. Those who are searching for the pearl of great price. And when they find it, they're saying, I've got to have this more than anything else. And of course, the pearl of great price is not a thing. It's a person, and his name is Jesus, the most precious thing that we can have. And I will tell you this, that dramatic things start happening in your life when you make the decision to go after the substantial. Dramatic, wonderful things start happening in your life when you say this, I am not going to settle for the superficial. I am looking for, I want the real deal. Anybody there with me today? You want the real deal for your life. You don't want the superficial. You want something that goes beyond that. You want what really, really matters. And that's God's plan for you. I've watched people over the years in terms of their spiritual journey, and there are a lot of different categories that people can be placed in. I gave you two broad categories a moment ago, but sometimes those broad categories are broken down into to different sort of subgroups. And I've seen people who have started their relationship with God and, and invited Jesus Christ into their life, but they, they really, really never let Jesus take hold of them in the fullest sense. And so while they were Christians, technically, and yes, Christians from a true spiritual perspective, they never grew in their journey. They never really learned the value of giving all to Christ. Now, even when I say giving all to Christ, it's a journey. We don't give all to Him every moment of every day at all times, but it's a journey that we're moving toward. But I see people that sort of sit back in their spiritual journey, and they they never really go after Jesus with their whole hearts. They never go after Jesus with all of their intent, with all of their energy. They never learn to love Him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and learn to take that love for Him and translate it into love for other people. They never really take hold of Jesus. And I will tell you that when you start taking hold of Jesus, Jesus begins to take hold of you, and your world radically changes. Your world is transformed when you make the choice to say, you know what, I no longer want to be a nominal, casual Christian. I don't want to be a Christian that skates on the surface of spiritual life. I want to be a deep-sea diving believer. Amen? I am, I've never done deep sea diving. I have snorkeled one time, okay? And I learned something just in that one experience of snorkeling. There's a whole world that you can't see from the surface. There's a whole world underneath the ocean that you can't see from the surface. Oh, yes, the surface can look beautiful, and there are a lot of things that you see when you're looking across the surface of the water, but when you put that mask under the water and you begin to look down, especially in places that, uh, that have wonderful tropical fish and those kinds of things, you begin to realize there's a world here that I've never seen before. And for some of you today, as we move and start this journey, I believe that in the next several weeks, you're going to start seeing a world that you've never seen before. Because when you start taking hold of Jesus and let Jesus take hold of you, a whole new world opens up for you, and you begin to be a change agent in your world. 
In the story of the New Testament, we have ordinary men and women who took hold of Jesus and allowed Jesus to take hold of them, and do you know that they changed their world? Ordinary people that simply took hold of Jesus and let Jesus take hold of them, they changed the then known world. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 4, verse number 13. I want to talk to you about uh, Peter and John. You might remember they're two of Jesus' disciples. And Peter and John, this describes in chapter 4, a time when they were at the gate, beautiful, and there was a man there who was lame from birth, the Bible says. And, and uh, Peter and John minister to him, and he, he receives his healing. And then Peter and John experienced some persecution because they were preaching the gospel. And I want you to know Notice what happens here as their persecutors make an observation of them. Verse, chapter 4 of Acts, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, what's the next word there? Circle that word on your notes. What kind of men were they? Ordinary, okay? They were unschooled, ordinary men. So these guys who are persecuting them, they say, you know, we, we notice these guys. They don't really have a whole bunch of education, they're not really super academic and intellectual, but, and they're also very ordinary. And the Bible says that next they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with who? Jesus. What I want you to see is that while you have some very ordinary men, Peter and John were fishermen. That was their trade. That was their background. That was their experience. That had been their occupation. But Jesus stepped into their lives, and they took hold of Jesus, and Jesus took hold of them. And now we see them in the gospel, in the book of Acts, changing the world, changing lives, making a difference. And what I want you to see today is that God did not put you on the planet just to consume space. God didn't put you here on this planet just to take in oxygen and expel carbon dioxide. God put you on this planet for a purpose. There is a purpose for every person in this place. And if you've come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you have a purpose. And your purpose goes beyond just the natural things of life. It goes beyond your profession or your occupation, as important as those things might be. But God has a purpose for you. He wants to use you to make a difference in a dark world. God needs some light in a dark world. And he said to us, you are the light of the world. And so as we take hold of Jesus and as Jesus takes hold of us, then we are able to begin to share a light. We are able to make a difference. Yes, ordinary people can be transformed into the extraordinary people by the power of the Holy Spirit, by Jesus working in and through them. The same was true of the Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 17, verse number 6. Let me read this story about him. Again, he's going through some times of persecution in his life, and some folks made some observations about Paul and Silas. But when they did not find them, that's those persecutors were looking for Paul and Silas, when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, read the rest with me, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. We're talking about two men. And these guys said, these two guys have turned the world what? Upside down. Would you in a good way like to turn your family upside down for Jesus Christ? Would you in a good way like to turn your business environment, your workplace upside down for Jesus Christ. Anybody here said, you know, my workplace could use some more of Jesus. Amen. Okay. 
Would any of you like to see your neighborhood turned upside down for Jesus Christ or some influence beyond yourself where you have the opportunity of connecting with the world at large around you that God could use you to make a difference in the world around you? Let me tell you where it begins. It begins with not settling for superficial spirituality. It's saying, I want the substance. I want to take hold of Jesus Christ, and I want Jesus Christ to take hold of me. I'm tired of the casual. I'm tired of the superficial. I want something that goes deeper. It goes deeper. It says, God, I'm after it. Spiritual depth makes a difference. And so I want to talk to you in my final moments here this morning about a pathway out of the spiritually superficial. How do we leave the superficial and how do we enter into the substantial? And the beautiful thing is that there are promises of God for us if we're willing to do this. Jeremiah 29, verse 13, here's a promise. God said this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God said, let me tell you something. If you'll seek me, you're going to find me if, notice that word if, you might want to circle it on your notes, if, there's a condition here, if you will seek me, how? With all of your heart. I'm going to talk about how you do that in a moment. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8, again, describes how we're promised a deeper relationship with God if we will do certain things. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and, the one, the, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Now, in this passage, Matthew 7, 7, and 8, most of us think about this in terms of asking God for things. God, I need this thing. I need that thing. I'm asking you to give me this thing. I am seeking you for this thing. But what I want you to think with me about today is this. Let's not think about things. Let's think about a relationship with God. Ask for a deeper relationship with God, and you will receive. Seek a deeper relationship with God, and you will find. Knock on the gates of heaven. Knock at God's throne for a deeper relationship with God, and that door will be Open. So again, it's not just about getting the things of your life. It's about taking hold of something that is much deeper than things. It's taking hold of a relationship with Christ at a deeper level. So let me conclude today by giving you five steps that you can take in your life that will help you to go deeper with God. Before we move forward with these five things, I want to make sure we're on the same page this morning. If you would say this morning you're tired of the superficial, you want more of the substantial in your relationship with God, and you want to learn how to move deeper and let go of the superficial, uh, whether it's here or in Frederick, I want you just to raise your hand with me for a moment and say, that's me, that's what I want for my life. I don't want to be a casual Christian. I want to be a person that has substance in my spiritual journey. So here is how it happens. Number one, you need to know something. You need to know this in the core of your being. You need to know that God's ready to reveal Himself to you, that God is ready right now to reveal himself to you, that God is not hiding from you, God is not playing games with you, God is not withholding himself from you. God says, I want right now to reveal myself to you in a deeper way. In some sports, people talk about when the ball being passed to another person, they will say, the ball is in your court. The ball now is in your hands. 
in some of the board games that people play, we talk about it's now your move. Your move now. You move next. And what I want you to see this morning is that the next move is not God's. The next move is yours, okay? The ball is not in God's hands. The ball is in your hands. It's in your court. You have to choose to do some things. You're not waiting on God to have a deeper relationship with Him. No, God is waiting on you for a deeper relationship with Him. The Bible says that if we will draw near to God, God will draw near to us. And so the initiative has already been taken by God. He is present. He is available to you. Aren't you glad that God is available to every human being on this planet 24-7, 365, there's never a time that God is not available to those that will call upon His name. The Bible said He is a very present help in times of trouble. He's a very present God available to all of us. And so I want all of you to know today that God is not hiding from you, that God is not somehow withholding Himself from you. You might say, well, I can't see God. I can't see Him working in my life right now. I can't seem to feel God. I don't seem to have that spiritual energy that I used to have. Listen, let me tell you something. God has not moved. God is still present in your life, and the next move is yours. It's not God's. It's your move. The ball is in your court. You need to know that, that God is available to to reveal Himself to you. The second thing that's necessary if you and I want to move past the superficial into a greater dimension of substance in our walk with God, from the casual to the real committed believer, is we have to admit that we have some infatuations right now with the superficial. You know what? The truth of the matter is, it's true for all of us. We're all in love with things we shouldn't be in love with. There are all things in our life right now that we're infatuated with that at the end of the day really don't make a difference at all. And certainly the end of our lives will not make a difference. And you can't embrace something else until you let go of what, you're, what you have in your hands. As long as I'm holding on to this, I can't embrace something else. I have to lay this down to be able to pick this up. And the same is true in your walk with God, that you can, you can only occupy yourself uh, attention-wise with certain things at certain times. And so if you're infatuated with the things that are superficial, what will happen is you'll never be able to take hold of the things that are substantial. And for some of you in your life right now, it's going to require some inventorying of your life. What am I really... What am I really in love with that I really shouldn't be in love with? What's capturing my attention that really shouldn't be capturing my attention as a person who wants to be a solid, dedicated believer? Where am I spending my time and where am I spending my energy and where am I spending my resources that are draining away from what I could be doing in terms of deepening my relationship with God? And these are hard decisions to make, but they're never made until we do an inventory with our life and admitting, you know what, I'm in love with some things I shouldn't be in love with. And here's the good news, you can break up with those things. Isn't that good to know? Okay. You can break up with them and say, goodbye, not going to be in my life anymore. I'm separating myself from those things that are draining my attention to Christ. Interesting story in the Bible. It's the story of Esau. Esau and Jacob, you might remember the two twin brothers who were sons of, uh, of Isaac. And how uh, there was a time Esau was the firstborn, and he had been out in the fields uh, uh, hunting and he was he was comes into the kitchen and he's really hungry and and Jacob was a good cook and so he's smelling all this wonderful food in the kitchen and Esau who had been given a birthright by his father 
a substantial gift by his father. A birthright is a great blessing, okay? Go back and read about this in the book of Genesis. Esau had been given this birthright by his dad that would carry him to his destiny. But in that moment, he came in, and because his flesh was hungry, he had a superficial desire. He was not about to starve. He was going to make it, okay? If he, didn't, if he missed a meal, he was going to make it. I mean, you know, if you miss a meal, you'll still live, right? Okay? Right? Everybody with me? Okay? You don't have to eat 10 meals a day. You can miss one, okay? Okay? But Esau was so pressured by his fleshly desire, by the attraction of the superficial smell of that wonderful food. Does anybody remember what Esau did? Esau traded his valuable birthright for a bowl of soup. Can you imagine that? He took this precious, substantial thing that had been given to him by his father, and he gave it away so he could have an immediate gratification of a fleshly need. And I think about so many Christians that do that time and time again. We all have done that at certain points, that we give up something precious in our relationship with God just to satisfy something that at the root is very superficial. The third thing that's necessary if you and I want to move to deeper places with God and move past the superficial is you have to ask God for something. You have to ask God to open your spiritual eyes and to open your spiritual ears. Remember I told you a moment ago that uh, there's some beauty underneath the ocean, right? But you're, you have to have vision to see it. You have to, you have to have a moment where you move past the surface and you look down and see what you haven't seen before. And the same is true in the spiritual realm of your life. You're not going to see things until God opens your eyes and opens your ears to things that have depth and meaning for your life. The truth is all of us here, every person here at some level right now, are you listening? Frederick Gaithersburg, everybody here, not a single exclusion to this, myself included, we all have blind spots, amen? Every one of us have blind spots. We talk about them in the relational realm and maybe in the work environment. We all have blind spots. It's just a reality because we're imperfect as human beings. We all are blinded in certain ways. But when it comes to the spiritual realm, your blindedness can destroy you. When you're blinded spiritually, you will walk into things you shouldn't walk into. You will stumble over things you shouldn't be stumbling over. You will make decisions about things that you would never make the same decision regarding if you had seen more clearly. Any of you perhaps can look back on your life and say, you know what, as a reflection upon a decision I made, I wish I'd seen that before I made that decision. Anybody ever said that before? I wish I'd seen that coming. I wish I'd seen that before I did that. What you're talking about is you lack some vision. You lack some sight. You are blind to something before you went into it that cost you something consequentially. And part of what you and I need to pray, and it somehow is oftentimes a dangerous prayer, but a valuable prayer is, God, I'm asking you to open up my spiritual eyes and open up my spiritual ears because I realize there's a world out there that I'm blind to. There are things that I need to hear from you that I'm not hearing 
appearing in my life right now. So, Lord, would you come and do this work for me and in me? And the beautiful thing is that we know that Jesus Christ, during his earthly ministry in the physical realm, he would heal the blind, he would open deaf ears, and Jesus Christ is the same healer today. He can open up your spiritually blinded eyes. He can open up your spiritually deafened ears. He can lead you to see things you haven't seen before and hear things from him him you've never heard before because he is the healer who does that work in the hearts of those that will ask him for it. But you have to ask him. Again, whose move is it? Not God's move. Whose move is it? It's your move, okay? Where's the ball? Whose court is it in? Is it in God's court? No, it's not in God's court. God already has taken the move. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Bible says God took the initiative. He has already showed up on the scene. He's already sent the Holy Spirit who is present among us. So God has already taken the initiative. The move is yours. The fourth thing that is necessary here, if you and I want to experience the the deeper dimensions of God. If we want to take hold of all that God has for us as we go into this new season, we have to be be ready to redefine our values. I will tell you that when you take hold of Jesus and Jesus takes hold of you, He turns your world upside down. He changes everything. And it's a good change. Because you begin to have values that you didn't have before. You begin to make decisions on the basis of principles that never guided you before. And so your world is radically transformed when Jesus Christ is taken hold of. You might recall in Acts chapter 9, there's a great story of a man by the name of Saul. He was known as Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was a very religious man. He was a man that loved the law of God and loved the rules of God and loved religion, but he didn't have a relationship with God. He had the religion, but no relationship. He had the rules, but no understanding of the God behind the rules. And so he is this religious man who is very conscientious about his religious fervor, his religious commitments, and he was so committed to his Jewish faith that he was persecuting this new group of folks called Christians. In fact, the Bible says in chapter 8, he was one of the ones that held the coats of those that stoned the the great uh, deacon of the church, Stephen, to death. And he was holding the coats of those that that stoned Stephen. And he was a man that persecuted believers, Saul of Tarsus. And one day, Saul of Tarsus was leaving Jerusalem to go to Damascus, Syria, and the Bible said on his mind was one thing, I'm going to go to Damascus, I'm going to find some Christians there and put them in jail. I'm going to find some Christians there and I'm going to make them miserable because they're believing in this Jesus one and, and he's not real and, and this, is, this is a false religion and so he's going after these Christian believers in Damascus, Syria, making that journey on the road to Damascus and the Bible says that while he's on that journey, something incredible happens. The Scripture says that a light came from heaven and blinded him and knocked him to the ground and a voice from heaven. So now Saul is having to deal with a new vision or a visionary situation and he's hearing something he never heard before because this voice said to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? In other other words, the Lord was saying it's not a matter of you persecuting people, you're persecuting me. And that voice was recognized by Saul as the voice of none other than Jesus Christ himself, the resurrected Savior. And there that day, Saul of Tarsus realized something. He realized Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. 
And he came to that understanding, that recognition, and he's knocked to his ground, he's to the ground, he's blinded in his eyes, he's hearing this voice from God for the very first time in his life, and in that moment, something radical happened. Paul was taken hold of by Jesus Christ, and Paul took hold of Jesus Christ, and he was never the same man after that. When he's finally healed from his blindness, he gets up, and no longer is he a persecutor, he is a preacher. No longer is he going after those who have faith in Christ. He's helping those who don't know Christ to find relationship with him. In that moment, because he was taken hold of by Jesus and Paul took hold of Christ in his life, everything changed. His entire value system changed. And there are people sitting in this room right now, people in our Frederick campus right now, that this is the time and season when if you will get serious with God like you've never been serious with Him before, if you will say, I'm tired of the casual, I'm tired of the superficial, I want something substantial in my walk with God, I will tell you something, God will create an amazing, massive value shift in your life that will be so wonderful you'll look back and say, boy, I am so glad I made that decision September 2014 because now my life and my values are radically transformed, but they're all about what is eternal, not what is temporal. They're all about what is substantial, not what is superficial. Transform a value, transformation of values. The last thing I want to mention here that you have to do. You'd be ready for your values to be redefined, but then you also need to connect with people who have real deal vision as well. Connect with people. I've learned in my spiritual journey that I can't get this passion for Jesus, or I certainly can't keep it by myself. I need people in my life, don't you? I need you, and you hopefully need me. We need one another, don't we? I've found that when I hang around with people who have a passion for Christ, you know what happens to me? My passion increases. And if I hang around people who don't have much passion for Jesus, I've learned as well that my passion wanes. So it's all about who I hang around with. It's about who I surround myself with. And you have to make a decision in your life as well. Who are you going to surround yourself with? That's why the church is so important. I'll conclude with this, this classic illustration. I've used it before, and if you've heard it before, I think it'll be worth hearing again. All of you probably been around a, a fireplace, a wood-burning fireplace, wood-burning stove, a wood, maybe a campfire at some point in time in your life, and you perhaps have had this experience of seeing a piece of wood that's burning on the fire, uh, in the fireplace or burning in the campfire, falling away from the rest of the wood and laying to the side. Or maybe you've actually picked up one of the logs and moved it to the side before, and you'll notice something that happens. While that piece of, lo- that piece of wood is on the fire and the fire is burning, it is alive, it has passion, it has the fire, it has the energy as a, that's, a, that's a part of the group. But when you remove it from the fire and set it aside, it may only be a few inches away from the, from the active fire, It may be a foot away or more away from the eye. It doesn't really at that point make a difference how far it's drifted. But what will happen over a period of time is that that piece of wood will begin to smolder and it will turn from hot to cold. And what will happen, listen to me, what will happen is that piece of wood that you could never have touched before because it's burning 
It's in that fire. You now can actually walk over and pick it up with your hands because it's not hot anymore because it's been removed from the group. And that's exactly what happens to us. And when we remove ourselves from Christian fellowship or we don't actively engage in Christian fellowship, if we don't actively become a part of church life, and that's why church life is so important. And I'll tell you what, it's not, you know, church life is not about finding the perfect church. It doesn't exist. Did you know that? Okay. I've told you before, there is no perfect church. It doesn't exist. There's no perfect church. Because church is made up of people. Are there perfect people? No, there's no perfect people, so there are no perfect churches. And I've told you before, if you ever find the perfect church, do not join it. You will ruin it, okay? 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 It doesn't exist, okay? And so, well, I'm just going to find the perfect... No. We're Christians. We're all in this journey together, but we still need one another because God works in community, doesn't he? He works when we're working together. And so if your passion for Christ is going to increase, it's not going to increase just over here by yourself. It needs to start with you, but it also needs to be connected with a group where there's a passion that burns together for the glory of God. I am making a decision in my life. I don't want to settle for the superficial. How about you? I want the substantial. I want to take hold of Jesus. I want the pearl of great price. How about you? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We're so very grateful for the opportunity we've had to study together. We pray in Jesus' name that you'll take this word and burn it deeply in our hearts. I pray for every person here today as we're starting this new series together. Lord, here in Gaithersburg and in Frederick, I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, you would light a fresh fire in our souls. Today, let us make a choice to say we're going to take hold of Jesus. And Jesus, we're asking you to take hold of us. We don't want the superficial We want the substantial, and we ask this today in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. 
And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash new beginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.